Yes, welcome in, ladies and gents, boys and girls. A super duper wildcard weekend is in the books. We've got six games to break down. Let's get cracking. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We won all game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Here we are, Lawrence was just dancing along to the theme tune there, he uh, nearly got caught out there, but uh, we all dance along secretly when we're off air, but uh, welcome in lads, as you can see just a three man huddle tonight, myself, Lawrence and Kieran, so let's waste no time getting them introduced, Lawrence how are you buddy? Um, Just the, the news that came out this afternoon, it reminded me of one of my children's favourite books when they were younger, Hugless Douglas. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, we will. Yeah, bit of a bit of a surprise. Normally happens all in the same day, doesn't it? Black Monday, but the Eagles decided to wait a week and uh, drop that bombshell. We may touch on it later. We may not. There's plenty to talk about though, because obviously, like I say, wild card action to review. Kieran, let's welcome you in neutral on the weekend, mate. Although your Twitter page would uh, suggest you had quite a few teams you were rooting for this weekend, buddy. My intro is for you, Sean, this weekend. I'm going to move the mic so I don't blow people's ears out. Dog check! I'll tell you what, mate. I'm still on cloud nine. Absolutely incredible stuff last night. We'll get on to that. We'll go through the games chronologically as much as anything, because if we start on the Browns game, we'll probably be still talking about them in an hour's time. And as much as I would like that, we have got six games to cover. So let's start off, fellas, with the game that started, it seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? All the way back on Saturday evening. We'll get into a breakdown of the game, but before we do, let's give you some sights and sounds of the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. No, he's a player. Touchdown. Dawson Knox and the Bills take the lead. Fake it. Allen. Deep shot. Touchdown. On the line to Stephon Diggs. What a connection. Rivers dials it up. Touchdown. Zach Pascal. Rivers looks downfield. Looking for it all. Rivers wide open. Touchdown, Jack Doyle. Colts looking for the win. Bills trying to hold on. Rivers airs it out. It is knocked away. And it's over. It took a quarter of a century, and the Buffalo Bills have won a playoff game. Yeah, a game that absolutely exploded, fellas, in the fourth quarter. It was a little bit tentative, I thought, up until that point. There was, you know, plenty of good defense on uh, but the explosiveness of the offences hadn't really uh, come to light. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter happened. And like I say, it was just points galore. Kieran, you've obviously been banging the Josh Allen MVP drum all year long. We often say that it's also a bit of a narrative award. And, you know, to have any realistic chance, you've got to get it done in the postseason. Uh, so what was your thoughts on the Bills' performance on Saturday evening? Wasn't Josh Allen just amazing? 
He was just throwing ropes after rope after rope after rope. It was amazing. Now, I'm just going to hit you with a little stat here that might actually uh, surprise some of you. But out of that draft class, uh, Josh Allen actually has the most rushing touchdowns of any quarterback in that draft class, more than uh, Lamar Jackson, which is an interesting stat. But yeah, Josh Allen, hey, if you're going to wait a quarter of a century for your first playoff win, this is the way to do it. It came down to the wire. It was a lot of fun. Shouldn't have come down to the wire. The Colts got some really suspect decisions off those refs. They kind of just decided that they were going to, you know, ignore the play clock almost every single game and, and run it down to zero before they snapped the ball, which I think the refs should have been a, a little bit harsher on. But regardless, Josh Allen showed out 325 yards, two touchdowns. He was 26 of 35. And be surprised to learn they didn't really run the ball. I mean, they had 21 rushes, but 11 of those were Josh Allen. He he was just putting in work all this game. Stefan Diggs, 128 yards and a touchdown in a playoff game. My Lord, how good is Stefan Diggs at football? He might be one of the best wide receivers in the league right now. And that's not just me saying that because of who he's got throwing to him. He has been electric this whole season. Now, not to discount Philip Rivers, over 300 yards, two touchdowns as well. but you know, knocking on the door of hitting 50% of his targets. He threw 46 times, only completed 27, which, you know, shouldn't be scoffed at, but they had a lot more of a run game to lean on. We're talking about, obviously, Taylor, 78 yards and a touchdown. A guy I do want to give a shout-out to on the Colts is actually uh, Michael, is it Pittman? Yeah, Michael Pittman. I was trying to trying to remember his first name there. But yeah, Pittman was fantastic. Every time he took a catch in an open space, he really, really put up some good yaks out, yak yards there. Really reminded me of almost Terry McLaurin or Debo Samuel, the way you could get him into open field and he'd make something happen. Just a fantastic game, though. I don't think it sh- should have been as close as it would have been. Uh, but Bills are still my Super Bowl favourites after this. Yeah, Lawrence, I'm going to, going to flick to you because me and you, I think, are on the same page with this one. Kieran thinks it shouldn't have been that close. I think he's right, but I actually think it should have been that close and it's actually the Colts that should have won this game. I was impressed with Josh Allen, don't get me wrong, but I actually think the Bills have escaped. We won here. The Colts left a lot of points on the board. There were some questionable decisions um, and ultimately, it came down to a three-point game and the Colts left far more than three points on the board, didn't they, mate? Yeah, I mean, there was seven absolutely blatant points they um they should have had and the Colts realistically should have won this game they will be kicking themselves because they took on a Bills team that is a hot team that is a strong team with a with an incredibly strong quarterback but they should they should have won this game they didn't kick the field goal on a fourth down attempt and decided to go for it and botched it um, Rodrigo Blankenship, the legend of, he misses a field goal and he hasn't been perfect all season. But, you know, it's sod's law that you miss one in your first playoff game. And then they even don't get the um, two-point conversion. That it, They decided kind of when 24-16 down, they decide, oh, we're going to go for a two-point conversion when the, the extra point would have just put them seven behind and made it more of a sensible chase, a seven-point chase. When you've got an eight-point chase, that psychology is very, very different, knowing you've got to get the touchdown and the two-point conversion. So I, I, I question 
a lot of Frank Reich's um, coaching decisions here. I don't think Philip Rivers had a particularly bad game considering what he was going up against, considering he's going up against, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, who's a fantastic um, linebacker, and that Bills secondary, which is their strength. Their defensive line is okay, um, but nothing special. Um, but yeah, th this was a, you know, this is a game that the Colts should have walked out of. They should have walked out probably 31-27 winners, but no. So, Kieran, I'm, I, I, you know, a lot of love for Josh Allen, but, you know, talk about, you know, not quite achieving. that the, the Colts should have won this game. They really should have. It was such a shame because they've got a, they've got a decent team that um, the, the defence is, is pretty good. They, you know, they, the secondary was lacking without um, Rocky Sin. Um, not playing, but that <clears throat> those linebackers are studs, um, and the rest of the team they they did okay. It was just yeah, it just came down. I think it was more t down to bad play calling as opposed to bad play. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. I think, like you say, for me, it was a game that the Colts left points on the board. You heard at the back end of the commentary there by uh, Ian Eagle on the CBS broadcast 25 years since the Bills had won a playoff game and I think you could just sense the the sheer relief when that uh, Hail Mary which uh, ironically even from 40 yards was still going to fall a few yards of the end of poor old Philip Rick. Um but I think you could just tell the sheer relief that the Bills were actually going to escape out of that game with a victory I expect to see a much improved Bills side heading into to this weekend, and they're going to have to improve. We'll get onto that a little bit later. And they've probably drew the opponent that nobody probably wants to draw at this moment in time. Um, and it will obviously be another really, really good matchup. And obviously um, a matchup of two of those quarterbacks from that draft class that you alluded to a little bit earlier on, Kieran. The second game of Saturday was a bit more of a defensive battle, but it was still a good one. If you like your defensive side of the ball, you'd have certainly been impressed with what was on show from the LA Rams in particular as they uh, slight upset as the number six seed went on the road and defeated the Seattle Seahawks. Again, as we did with the first game, let's give you some sights and sounds of the game. Said he's got to be able to try to corral that a little bit and know that it is not a positive for the rest. Watch of the team. out here, picked Williams, touchdown Rams. Second down and 14 now. Wilson is chased, throws it up for grabs. He's got Metcalf, touchdown Seattle. Here's a big play attempt and broken up by Ramsey. Metcalf the target, and number 20 won that battle. Goff keeps, has Woods, touchdown Rams! Blitz, Wilson sacked, Morgan Fox. And an exclamation point put on the end of this game by the Rams' top-rated defense. Couldn't have said it much better than what Joe Buck said right at the end there. An exclamation point on what was an absolutely fantastic performance from Rams' defence. Fellas, I'm going to just hop back slightly 
um, because we did just have a question coming just as we were moving on to this game. Just back to Buffalo very briefly, and then we will come straight back onto this Rams-Seahawks game. Scott on Facebook has asked, Super Bowl participants will need a strong running game. Do you think the Bills can get their game going, uh, their ground game going soon so they don't have to rely solely on the arm of Josh Allen? Lawrence, you had your finger up in the air, mate, so I'll shoot that one over to you. They got some trouble. Um, Zach Moss has now been ruled out of the playoffs. So they're going back to Devin Singletree, who they don't completely trust. So it puts additional pressure back on Kieran's husband to to see kind of, you know, how, how well he's going to perform. There is that there is that extra pressure. Zach Moss hasn't been a you know a thousand yard back or anything like that, but he's been able to come in as a spot play and and we know that the Bills are a running back by committee running offense. They're not they're not gonna kind of have a ground and pound attack. But it it this made me nervous going back kind of into the final quarter of the regular season, let alone the postseason. So I think they are going to struggle with that running game. I think if it wasn't for Josh Allen's wheels, they'd be in serious trouble. If they were if they had a if Josh Allen was a was a drop back passer, you know, a Tom Brady, a Philip Rivers, a Ben Roethlisberger type of quarterback, they'd be in big trouble. Yeah, completely agree. And they've kind of limited Josh Allen's running a bit more this year. He's obviously had so much success from the pocket that, you know, I mean, this time last year, if you think back, he was he was scrambling at the first sign of any pressure and, you know, he, he, he was probably the Bills' lead in Russia last year. Um, it's certainly been dulled in. He still obviously carries that threat, certainly in the red zone. He's the go-to runner, isn't he? They they tend to to sort of use his, his legs there. Um, but, yeah, I think it is a, a fair point. And that will be the thing that... Uh, would worry you as a Bills fan, like you say, it is a, I wouldn't say one-dimensional because they've obviously got plenty of weapons in that passing attack, um, you know, but obviously, as you said, it is a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. Uh, talking of pressure then, fellas, let's snip, uh, let's move right back to Rams Seahawks and we, we, when we talk pressure, let's talk about that Rams defensive unit. Russell Wilson was under pressure all day long. And as Kieran has kindly told us on Facebook, um, the Rams team was the first to beat Russell Wilson at home in the playoffs. Pete Carroll had gone 6-0 and with Russell Wilson as his quarterback at home. Um, but to be honest, fellas, it just didn't look from the first whistle that the Seahawks were going to get enough points on the board in this game. That explosive offense that opened up the season, and everyone was talking about let Russ cook and MVP voting at halfway stage of the season was pretty unanimous in terms of people thinking it was Russell Wilson's year. It's really, really faded, hasn't it, though, Kieran? And ultimately, you know, the Seahawks' defense has improved, but the the offense has just disappeared, and now it's gone obviously disappeared for good as the Seahawks are out. Yeah, we've we've gone from let Russ cook to I'm going to reheat leftovers. It's it's not been a good season in the back end for him. Eleven for twenty seven on passing attempts is just poor for a, a guy who is as high caliber as Russell Wilson. We talk about as I I don't care whether you guys agree with this or not, but in my mind he's a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer just from how well he plays and how much has he he's achieved with the odds stacked against him because of his size and things like that. And this did not look like Russell Wilson. I do want to give a shout out though because I've hated on this guy ever since he got drafted by the Jags. I've always thought he's a prima donna. 
I've always thought he's a complainer, he's a whiner, he's a little bitch. But Jalen Ramsey played out of his goddamn mind yesterday. If we're going to talk about one of the best players in the playoffs so far, I think Jalen Ramsey probably deserves that honour because he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And he really limited what Russell Wilson could do. And I do want to be a little bit disparaging, despite the hoodie, towards Jamal Adams because he delivered a disgustingly dirty hit to uh, Rams quarterback John Wolford and actually sent him out of the game with... What looked like a very bad concussion and the angle we hit him at was just poor. I know it wasn't an illegal hit, but sometimes as a football player, you should know when you can hit someone or not. And I know Lawrence might enjoy some of that old school smash mouth football, but I think even he would have winced seeing that a bit. And then they had to bring Jared Goff in, who isn't good at the best of times. So you bring him on with a stitched up thumb and I know... Might have proved his passing game, but uh, Cam Akers was really the dude who stole the show for me yesterday. 131 yards and a touchdown, and there's his cleat. Uh, 131 yards on the ground on 28 carries. That's like Derrick Henry levels of carries you get in the game, and he really just smashed the Seahawks' defense in the mouth. Uh, and that's not to disparage the Rams' defense; they were looking really. really good obviously we had Williams with the pick uh, and Aaron Donald might be the scariest human being I've ever seen I don't know how David Andrews contained him for an entire Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple years back but yeah Aaron Donald was just tearing them up and yeah Russell Wilson did not look like himself and I think this is a very well-deserved win for the LA uh, Rams I keep keep nearly calling them the Chargers uh, for the LA Rams and I think maybe people are right. Sean McVay is very, very good at offenses. He is the Bill Belichick of offense right now. The things he is drawing up. When you can win a game 30, what was it, 30 to 20 against a fairly competent defense. I'm not going to say good, but fairly competent defense. When when you've got a, a rookie running back and a guy in Jared Goff who kind of looks like Nick Foles but can't throw the ball as well. You know he's doing something right with that game plan. <laughs> no, he most certainly, certainly is. And, Lawrence, I think you're going to start holding that cleat with absolute pleasure and pride. Mate. When you paid 30 quid for that off eBay, never did you think that Cam Akers would be the man to, to run the Rams towards a Super Bowl. But uh, Kieran's already alluded to a fantastic day for him um and like you say you know give you get your chance to get your take on the defense and know that uh, you're a keen lover of a defensive battle um and like I say although for the purists in terms of wanting some high scoring offense you probably tuned in on Saturday night and were a bit disappointed I've got to be honest I really enjoyed this game and I know you did as well mate yeah I mean in terms of that that defense the old moniker you know offense wins games defense wins championships you know, I, I've I've got this thing in my head now of seeing the Rams in the NFC Championship. It's not an unrealistic picture. If you know the the fact that Jared Goff was not even starting the game and then came on, yes, his his stats were atrocious. He wasn't even at fifty percent in terms of pass completions, but he got the job done. He he was. Not he didn't throw a pick, and he managed to sustain some drives. I mean, obviously, a lot of it was handing it off to Cam Akers, but I, I just, 
I just think that was a really, really gutsy performance from Jared Goff, who's not known to be that sort of quarterback that you can put a lot of pressure on um, that is that is going to kind of come up with the goods. But, you know, yes, yeah, the quarterback rating was 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 bad, you know, but wasn't anywhere near as bad as Russell Wilson, who just, yeah, he was harassed and harangued all day long. And, you know, there, there were some other names as well, not just Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd had a couple of sacks. Um, Morgan Fox got the pressure on as well. So this is, this is a Rams defence that is going to take them far. And I think they've they've got a big shot next weekend as well. You know they've got the formula to win games. You know how do you how do you win games? You keep time of possession. You stop the other team from having the possession. You play lights out defense, and you just keep grounding and pounding. And the fact that the Rams have made the most sensible decision of all, which is to actually install a feature back as opposed to going running back by committee. Yeah, they put they gave Malcolm Brown nine carries, but that was you know a lot of those were right at the end when they had the decent lead and they were just kind of just grinding out the clock. So the fact that they've kind of gone well, we're not going to go Malcolm Brown one drive, Daryl Henderson the other, Cam Akers the other. They've Cam Akers has kind of reversed what you would perceive of a rookie running back, which is that they would kind of you'd think that they'd fade by the end of the season, but. What the Rams did, maybe it was their grand plan all along to not give Akers the ball to start off with the season and keep him relatively fresh. So if that was their master plan, that is an absolute genius plan from Sean McVay, who, again, incredibly young coach, but he's already taken a, a team which has not been the greatest team all round into a Super Bowl yeah, okay, they, they were they were abysmal in that in Super Bowl in, in in the Super Bowl, but they are capable of getting back. And you know, I've just got a lot of um, you know, I was really impressed by that Rams team, and I think they've they've shocked to a degree a number of people. No, absolutely, man. I think um, as you said, you know, the old defense wins championships could well ring true. Scott's. Uh, Looking forward to Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams next week. I think we are all signed up for a, uh, a bout of that. That will be a fascinating watching. Like you say, they do stack up well. Join us on Thursday, Scott, when myself, Tim, Adam and Dave will be previewing the uh, the upcoming divisional slate of games on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, I certainly agree with you. That will be a good one to look forward to. Disappointing end to the season for the Seahawks when it started off. So promisingly, and you know, we talked last week, didn't we? That had a nice four-game win streak to round out the season, but it just just didn't seem right from the first minute on Saturday. And ultimately, uh, once you're at this stage of the season, one bad day and you are out. And that's exactly what's happened to Seattle. Final game of Super Saturday, then, fellas, was of course the one in the NFC East, winning Washington Football Team against the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and I've got to confess, it's the only game that I didn't watch live on the weekend. I've obviously caught up and seen some highlights, but again, as we've done for the game so far, just for everybody else that's watching along, listening along, let's get you some sights and sounds of the game from the nation's capital. Leonard Ford at the back on third and three. On play action, Brady to his second look. It's open. It's Antonio Brown for the touchdown. Oh! 
Heineke inside give. It's McKissick to the end zone. Washington touchdown. Deep drop here. Brady down the middle. It's caught for the touchdown. Godwin. He beat Ronald Darby. And Chris Godwin extends the Tampa Bay lead. Heineke in trouble again. He's able to escape. Keeps the play alive. Runs for the first down. Dives to the pylon. Is he in? Is he in? Yes, touchdown, Warren. Second and goal now for Brady. And he'll get to Fournette. He powers it in. They rush four. Heineke still is flushed. He's pressured. He's got to fling it. Got to have it. Throws it down. grabs and incomplete. Logan Thomas almost came up with it. Yeah, an absolutely admirable attempt, it's got to be said, by Tyler Heineke. Um, obviously in for the injured and inactive Alex Smith. Um, Alex Smith obviously done phenomenal things all year to even get on the football field, as we have talked about. Um, but Heineke um, certainly didn't do himself any disgrace whatsoever. Um, but the Bucks offence, we've talked about it throughout the season. Um, certainly the back end of the season seems to be clicking into gear. Got a nice day out of Leonard Fournette following an injury to Ronald Jones. Um, he had a big role to play. Uh, you can see the numbers across the bottom of the screen. Tom Brady, only just over 50% of his completions, but he did manage 381 big yards with those 22 completions. And Lawrence, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, again, like I said, I know you obviously tuned into this one in the early hours of Saturday morning. You were quite excited about the fact that uh, Mr. Heineken, as you like to refer to him as, got the uh, got the nod. And like I say, um, in, certainly in the highlights packages that I've seen, he looked good. He looked like a real fighter. But obviously, like I say, you watched it live, mate. So just give us your perspective on the game. Taylor Heineke played some lights-out football. Arguably, out of all of the quarterbacks, um, he he had the kind of biggest fairy tale story. There might have been quarterbacks who had bigger wins, and obviously for the Washington football team, they're they're one and done. And Tim's prediction came true that whoever was going to come out of the NFC least has probably done themselves no favors by going down the draft slightly. But the way it can be seen for Washington fans is that for at least the next 12 months, they are the reigning division champions. So it's, you know, there's a little bit of bragging rights for at least a year. So, you know, it's something to, to remark upon. For Heineke, for, to get over 300 yards on, on his playoff debut and have Patrick Mahomes tweeting out kind of that even he was stunned by the quality of some of his plays. And if you watch, there's a, there's a clip where he throws that touchdown in the, um, in the fourth quarter. And even Tom Brady's mouthing, that is amazing. Even Tom Brady, the, the goat is even recognizing that this guy, this 27 year old who was doing his, his maths degree, um, you know, six weeks or so ago. It's bonkers what he's done. And just what I loved about him was just the quality of his throws. He's got an absolute laser. And and the balls were just being... I, I guess it's kind of... If you've watched Dwayne Haskins for half a season, who, who can't 
barn door, cow's backside. We won't need to go any further because otherwise I'll start getting a bit uncomplimentary. Um, and then you look to Alex Smith, who couldn't move. And, and credit to Alex Smith. Yes, comeback player of the year. But it was the right decision for for Washington to to hand the ball over to, to Taylor Heineke. And it could have... it the, the upset was nearly there. I think the one thing that, that... And it was by accident that it happened that gave the Bucks the actual strength of the game was the fact that running back Ronald Jones was ruled out in warm-ups. He didn't get to play. And they they handed the ball over to Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, who people weren't... Probably they weren't game planning for him as much. He ended up 19 carries, 93 yards and the score. And it seemed that whenever they needed that first down, there was Fournette. He was there. He was either running it up the gut or he, he made a couple of crucial catches as well. And, and Fournette, you kind of don't think of him because of his size as... as, as Person who catches the ball, but he's he's a he's a damn good receiver um, out of the backfield as well. So a bit of a dual threat. So if they lean on Fournette again next week, that that won't be a surprise. But yeah, I mean, you look there there were a number of kind of little heroes for Washington all over the field. Um, Cam Sims seven catches, one hundred and four yards. He was he did his absolute best. You know that's probably the best game that he's had in his professional career, and it's in the playoffs. But the reality was, you're not going to beat Tom Brady unless you have your A game for four quarters. And unfortunately for Washington, that first half just didn't happen for them. And then when you when you're eighteen seven down at the half, and I think the 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 real crucial thing was that field goal near the end of the first half to put the the bucks up 18 to 7 because prior to that they kind of they, it was it was close it was close um they you know the bucks went for a two point conversion it failed they had an extra point blocked so there was there was signs that things weren't quite going perfectly and then when when washington actually dominated the third quarter and if they would have put more than two field goals on the board um, you know, sorry, if they would have put more than more than that touchdown and that field goal, and then you know, missed the two point conversion again, how many missed two point conversions are we going to have this weekend? You know, it would have been a tie going into the fourth quarter. It would have been eighteen apiece, which is ridiculous considering you know how heavily favoured the Bucks were. So credit to Washington for what they've managed to do in in those four quarters, but the Bucks are looking good. But that defense, it it did, it was broken a little bit. There was that you could pass the ball on them, and this is Taylor Heineke, who no one had any expectations for. Goes for over three hundred yards. So, be warned, Buccaneers pass defense. You are susceptible. What's the word I'm looking for? Sounded good to. Sounded good yeah. to me, mate. I know exactly what you mean. We'll we'll keep it at uh, sus- suspect. I'm doing it myself now. We'll, we know exactly what you mean. Let's move on. Kieran, um, obviously, like you say, a valiant effort from the football team. We kind of all assumed that they couldn't allow the Bucks to score more than, ironically enough, around the 23 to 24 point mark, um, which is exactly what the football team ended up scoring themselves. We sort of thought that would be the threshold and anything above that would be difficult. Um, and I suppose really for Tampa, 
they've got to be really pleased with this because although, as Lauren said, the bookmakers had them as favourites, you know, I think anybody that really had looked and analysed this game knew that it was a tough matchup. They knew how well that football team defence had been playing, certainly in recent weeks. And, you know, on the road to win a playoff game is difficult, whoever you are. Um, so a great uh, great win, obviously, for the Bucks. Um, and obviously now heading into Thursday, uh, heading into Thursday, heading into their third meeting of the season uh, with Drew Brees and Co. But uh, just in terms of the books, mate, were you impressed? Yeah, it, and it's all about momentum at this point of the season. And look, it, it's like I said about Green Bay a few weeks back. This wasn't a pretty win, but it, it proves the team can go out there and win by any means necessary. Lennon Fournette looked exactly like he did um Back when he played for LSU, he was just absolutely smashing over dudes. It's it kind of beautiful to watch. And yeah, he did catch a few crucial passes. Once again, harkening back to his days at LSU, we had, uh, I'm not going to say the word I was going to use, uh, quite a bad quarterback in Danny Etling. But Leonard Fournette was always there to catch a few balls from him to keep the game rolling. So I wasn't really surprised there, but I was just surprised to see him do it in the NFL. Tom Brady... Yeah, just under 50%, uh, no, just over 50%, uh, sorry, in his passing attempts. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best Tom Brady we've ever seen. But then again, I watched him play last year in New England, so it certainly wasn't the worst. I think now, coming forward, they're going to have the momentum. They can grind out a win like this, especially against Taylor Heineken, who I think really, if we're talking about overreaction Monday, should be the franchise quarterback for the Washington football team now at this point. I think if you're going to bet on anyone, bet on that guy. He's the best running quarterback in the league, bar maybe Josh Allen from what we saw last night. Um, yeah, this was a very good Buccaneers win. I'm not saying it was pretty, but they pulled it out and they did exactly what they need to to win a game. And at the end of the day, that's what, it's, that's what separates... Um, Teams from like the Chiefs of two years ago when they fell to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs that won out last year at the Super Bowl. They were prepared to dig deep, go fight the battle in the trenches and get a win. It didn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be clean, but they got a win. And that is all that matters. Absolutely, mate, absolutely. And you certainly don't get any style points at this time of year. It is all about the results. And like you say, the book's grinding one out there, um, encouraging signs for Washington moving forward. I completely agree with you, Lawrence. The fact that you can, for the next 12 months, say that you won the divisional crown, um, for me, that was always worthwhile playing for. I don't think Washington will have any regrets whatsoever um, about uh, doing so, um, You know, regardless of where the draft position ends up. Final word on the game and final word on Heineke. Anybody that mocked the XFL back in the spring, shame on you. Throw up the X, the rock. I smell what you are cooking, my friend. Bring back the XFL 2022. Can not wait. Right, fellas. It was a super, super Saturday. It certainly set the uh, the taste buds going, didn't it, for another super Sunday of action. And, of course, we started off with the Ravens and the Titans rematch from a few weeks ago. Um, and as we've done with all the games, let's get you some sights and sounds of the game in Nashville. Tennessee, the best goal-to-go team in the NFL. Second down and goal. Now pushed back beyond the 10. Tannehill looking left. One-handed A.J. Brown. 
Justice Hill in the backfield. Jackson trying to escape and run for it. And he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. First and goal. Right behind Ricard. It's Dobbins right into the end zone for the touchdown. Baltimore. Second and five. Tannehill steps and fires and it's intercepted. It's Marcus Peters who makes the play for the Ravens. The ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Tennessee has all three timeouts remaining. Lots of time in this one. Second and ten. Jackson will keep it. First down and plenty more down the sideline. And he's smart enough to stay inbounds. If I was sure of anything this weekend, feathers, it was that the over-under of 53.5 points for this game was going to be absolutely annihilated. I just could not see anything other than a high-scoring shootout AJ Brown gets that early touchdown, and I'm already starting to think about counting out my money. And then we just got a massive defensive battle. It was an absolutely enthralling watch. Uh, the deserved winners in the end. I don't think there's any question about that from from my perspective. Kieran Lawrence is obviously going to wax lyrical um, for a good five minutes at least about Lamar Jackson. So butter me up with something other than L Jacks, please, mate. Yeah, can we just talk about how disrespected Ryan Tannehill is? I know he threw a pick, and, you know, I think Marcus Peters feels vindicated because he's kind of been picked on all of this year by every single quarterback in the league. But let's talk for a minute about how good Ryan Tannehill is as a quarterback. And he doesn't get the respect. Let's talk about last year. When he came in, played seven games and matched Patrick Mahomes' touchdown stats and only threw one more interception. Yet last year, people were still looking at Patrick Mahomes as some sort of MVP candidate. This is why this league is trash sometimes. Because people care too much about who the name is, who's got the most sponsorships, who's on the cover of Madden. And I'm sick of that. Ryan Tannehill is a legit top five. Yes, top five five quarterback in this league and although he didn't show it yesterday i think he's going to have a lot of continued success with the tennessee titans with that being said lamar jackson absolutely showed out yesterday despite the absolutely garbage interception he threw early on in the game he looked fantastic he ran the ball for 136 yards and a touchdown he threw for 179 yards and that solo pick like i mentioned this ravens team is this was kind of a muted performance from them offensively because we are used to seeing them run the score up and look speed kills man and they didn't have ingram yesterday but jk dobbins come in and just said f all f what you guys are talking about me i'm gonna have a day like i know he only carried the ball nine times but every single time he carried the ball he made an impact. He looked fantastic. And this Ravens team is playing out of their damn mind. I also want to give a shout-out to Patrick Ricard because he was playing defensive line a few years ago. And now he's in there as a fullback. He's catching the ball, and he's actually pretty fast for a guy who weighs 310 pounds. So I do want to 
give him a little bit of credit there. If I was three hundred ten pounds, I don't think I'd be that agile. So, so yeah, look, I, I expected the Titans to win. I thought it was going to be classic Lamar Jackson. You know playoffs he's gonna shit himself again but obviously he got that out a few games ago ducked out in the middle of the game dropped a deuce comes back you know maybe he's not gonna poop the bed anymore because he finally got it out of him but absolutely fantastic performance from the ravens i know obviously we're gonna hear all about it in a minute um but i think uh you will give some props Lawrence to uh, AJ Brown because he looked fantastic yesterday. I think truly a top five receiver in the league. He's definitely elite, definitely one of the best. And the Ravens found the secret source. They stopped Derrick Henry. And I think that's what it came down to. Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going on the ground. And like last year, he ran for hundreds and hundreds of yards. I think I, I think maybe ran a few miles uh, in the last year's matchup. But yeah, th- this was just a fantastic game if you enjoy defense. And, you know, Big moment for Marcus Peters. He definitely was vindicated with that pick yesterday. Yeah, it was a stunning game. And and to be fair, I think, you know, there was a few real key points in this one. I think, you know, any Tennessee fan will look back and regret the decision to punt the ball fourth and two inside Baltimore territory, um, you know, when it was 17-13. But I think that was just a credit to the Ravens about the fact that they had just bottled up Derrick Henry throughout the course of the game. Not often the Titans only needing a couple of yards um, are going to not pick them up. And to be fair, on that drive alone, Derrick Henry picked up eight on first down. They had three opportunities to gain two yards if they would chose to. They didn't. Um, Henry was just complete non-factor in the game yesterday. Um, and yeah, like I say, for me, the Ravens absolutely were the, the worthy Worthy winners. Lawrence, go on, let's give you your moment. I know you've been waiting for this all day long, so come on. Tell me how wonderful your husband was. Before before we even go there, I want to just spirit, you know, just channel in the spirit of Tim here um, with that surrender index. I know, I know um, our fearless leader loves a bit of surrender index, so I'll just read it out, read the tweet out from, from surrender index. With a surrender index of 138.87, that punt on fourth and two ranks at the 100th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2020 season and the 99.92 second percentile of all punts since 2009. So there you go. That was the... That was the bottling of an entire team and an entire season in one play. So, yeah, I mean, just we talk about MVPs, okay? So you can have a player of the season. There are people who have performed absolutely admirably. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they've performed admirably. But I think we were having this conversation, weren't we, last week about most valuable player. And if we extend that to most valuable player to their team. If you would have taken Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore, Tennessee Titans would have won the game. It's it's that simple. Now, you know, the one thing that I, I've absolutely loved is the fact that the Ravens, that Ravens defense has actually all come back together. So no COVID, no injury. That defensive line, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, they were the MVP of the game without a shadow of a doubt. 
they caught Derek Henry before he managed to get ahead of steam on, we talk about 99.9%. They caught him on 99% of his runs before he got ahead of steam. And he had that one. If you remember, he had one where he broke the line of scrimmage. There was one run where he got past and he it was eight yards. That was his longest run of the entire game. And if Derek Wolf hadn't have got that tackle, yes, that would have probably gone to pay dirt. And then that would have turned the complexion of the game around completely. But he hung in there. Derek Wolf. So, you know, monster, monster job by that defensive line. And I've I've been going on about the importance of Calais Campbell when he was out and when the Ravens were losing games in the in the early to mid part of the season. You look now, he's come back and he's deserving of his, his Pro Bowl nod now because he's he's proving how important he is. And that's six wins in a row now for the Ravens. So let's not forget, we talk about, you know, performing dirty performances when it matters. There's also this thing about momentum and that six game swing, you know, you, you cannot, you know, every game was a playoff game. Every game has been a playoff game for Baltimore now for six consecutive weeks. But Lamar Jackson is just taking it all, pardon the pun, in his stride. He was the leading rusher. He was the leading rusher for all teams. The leading rusher was a quarterback. And, you know, I know I know Sean thinks he's actually a running back in disguise, but he did manage to pass the ball. And considering there, you know, there weren't a lot of options out there. Oh, I think we've lost Lawrence. The, uh, you know, Harry Patrick Potter Rico, effect, I think. That's not going to happen. People had in, in DraftKings lineups. You know, he didn't do anything. J.K. Dobbins didn't catch anything out of the backfield. Um, it was just a case of Lamar Jackson dialing plays at left, right and centre. So, you know, it was incredible credit to him. But there were some big decisions. And I think, again, the coaching, the Tennessee coaching wasn't quite there. So I think that, you know, it's, it's it's not necessarily the team. I think, again, it was the coaching that was at fault. And then the other big factor that I don't think you guys have mentioned so far was um, Corey Davis. He had two targets in the game, didn't come up with, with any catches. And then he was he was injured uh, um, in, in the, at some point in the second half and didn't get to play when the, the Titans were playing catch-up late. And they didn't have these options. So if you look, that pickoff that Marcus Peters has, it was over Khalif Raymond, who's about four foot seven. So, you know, they, they tried to find the fastest guy on the field, but he hadn't had he hadn't been running a lot of routes. He hadn't been having a lot of game time. And, you know, to put that pressure on essentially like the fourth or fifth receiver was, you know, it was it was a, a lot to ask. So yeah, I I'll I'll kind of calm down on this. But I think going into the the game on uh, um, is it Saturday night against the Bills? Yep. I I think you know there, there's huge huge opportunity for Baltimore here. Huge opportunity, and they haven't lost anyone. They've got a lot of kind of. I think they've they've kind of just played the the most sensible possible game they had. And I'll leave this game with one final statistic, which refers back to the previous game. Who had more rushing yards, 
in the wild card round? Taylor Heineken or Derek Henry? <laughs> yeah, it says all that you need to know, doesn't it? Because obviously the answer is Taylor Heineken, and yeah, look, yeah, the 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 method is there, isn't it? If you can if you can stop Derek Henry, uh, you're obviously stopping a huge part of the Titans' massively impressive performance. I think it was as dominant a twenty to thirteen victory as you can probably have. And uh, look, I've been on record for the last five or six weeks now. Lamar Jackson is what he is, and he's the best at what he is in terms of that ability to scramble from the backfield. I'm not going to ever be a fan of it. I don't particularly enjoy watching it. That's just my preference. Is it highly effective? Absolutely. Do I think the Wavens can win the Super Bowl with him playing that way? Absolutely. You know, if, if, and it's a huge if, if the Ravens and the Browns come through this weekend ahead, am I absolutely terrified at the prospect of facing him yet again? Absolutely. But anyway... There's plenty of football between now and then to get to the Ravens punch their ticket. Plenty of questions for the Titans to ask themselves in the off-season. As you say, some questionable stuff from the coaching perspective. Certainly, um, you know the the genius of Mike Vrabel supposedly six weeks ago. Now uh, a few question marks all of a sudden. Right then, fellas. Middle game of Sunday. Let's be honest. It was the snooze fest. It was only really made better by SpongeBob SquarePants popping up between the field goal posts and sliming the end zone. I am, of course, talking about Bears and Saints, but as we've done all through, let's get you some sights and sounds of the game. That's part of the plan Chicago had to prepare for, and that would eliminate a lot. First and ten, complete, touchdown, Michael Thomas! But then you get to run around on the next play. That's what you get to do, Jim. Yeah, they snap it, they get it back to him. Montgomery had taken the snap, Trubisky launching it, right back to Wims, and he drops a touchdown! The pass was perfect! Second and goal, looking around, oh, and a little hook pass, he hooks it! For the touchdown to Murray! start to actually use it. And right here, they kind of know the same thing. He's going to have an opportunity right here. That was Kamara for the touchdown. Jim, to build a program that has a shot at a Super Bowl each year, the Saints have done. That is caught! Jimmy Graham! Wow! Breeze is, he's just taking it right in. Yeah, so there you go, fellas. As our good friend Mr. Ross Sterling has said, the sights and sounds from the Bears and Saints will be short. Does it include Anthony Miller's punch? That was one of the highlights of the game, the Anthony Miller punch. We didn't get it in the the sights and sounds. But, yeah, it wasn't a great game. And, look, it's no fault of CBS, but I also found it incredibly weird, the Tony Romo, Jim Nance call with them not being next to each other, the amount of times they were talking over the top of each other and... All of that kind of stuff. I know that you've paid him a lot of money, CBS, but if Romo can't be there, just find somebody else. Please just find somebody else, but hopefully that won't be an issue for next weekend. Game itself then, fellas. Um, 21-9 final score, fairly convincing. Could have really been 28-3. to Drew Brees stopped about an inch shy 
of um, the end zone, um, which would have made it 28-3. to And obviously the Bears marched and got a garbage time touchdown to make the score look slightly respectable. I think the thing to take away from this game is it was actually 7-3 with um, still only four minutes to go in the third quarter. So it took the Saints a while to actually put this game to bed, Kieran. And, you know, they're obviously going to need to look a little bit more... Um, explosive, shall we say, against better teams over the course of the next couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, you know, the, my biggest takeaway from this game, actually, was that Mitchell Trubisky didn't look like utter trash. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to earn a five-year contract extension worth $250 million, given how the Bears sort of pay <laughs> quarterbacks. Um, oh, this was just such a terrible game of football. I mean, if you're a fan of football... Look, I'm going to be 100% honest right now. If it wasn't for the Nickelodeon broadcast that I was watching, I would have turned this off because it was terrible. And then the, the best thing of this game for me was that young kid who was the sideline reporter for Nickelodeon. At the age of 14, he's displaying better football knowledge than Booger McFarlane, Colin Cowherd, and even <laughs> Skip Bayless, for God's sake. <laughs> That kid, that kid was sensational. Uh, not much to take away from this game, is it? Jimmy Graham's got big hands. Michael Thomas can run slants. Taysom Hill's still trash. Uh, nothing of note happened. It was a good game for the Saints because they won. And it was a bad game for the Bears because they lost. But if you're just looking at it from a football perspective, both teams sucked. And I don't think the Saints beat the Bucks after this. It was just terrible. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, the greatest of spectacles, and you kind of feel a little bit sorry for Nickelodeon, but also, uh, like you just said there, it was almost a blessing in disguise for the fans in the States. There was so much uh, sharing on Twitter feeds of the Nickelodeon coverage, almost a bit of a shame that we didn't get the option to, to tune into it legally, at least in this country. Um, a, a great idea and initiative. I know a lot of people saying about getting the kids involved in terms of watching some of their first games of football with the Nickelodeon element attached to it. But Lawrence, in terms of the game itself, um, like I say, the Bears' defence has been middle of the road throughout the course of the season. Um, yeah, But like I say, he obviously did quite well to limit the Saints, certainly through the first um, half and, and deep into the third quarter. But the offense has been the question mark all year, and you know it obviously caught them up in the end. They were, you know, I don't think anybody fancied them. They were the biggest underdog going into this weekend, and that's despite all the off-field issues that the Browns were having. That's how one fancied the Bears were. Um, this was always going to be a fairly routine win, and the Saints got the job done efficiently enough, I suppose, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a shame for for David Montgomery. I think the the Bears running back who had managed throughout the entire season to really kind of showcase that he is a he is a you know a top 10 running back in the league he started off slowly and then just built up and built up and then comes to the playoffs and because that Saints defense just got pressure after pressure after pressure um, David Montgomery was just kind of swallowed up in that the 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 game flow went away from him, so he didn't get that opportunity. If if they would have been able to somehow establish that running game in the first first half, maybe the first three quarters, they could have hung in there. But as you say, this you know it should have been um, it should have ended twenty eight three, and that that you know for people who are 
hoping that Alvin Kamara had a 100-yard rushing game. Just bonkers that he ends on 99. And on that fourth <laughs> down goal, the guy who scored six rushing touchdowns a couple of weeks ago, um, they go, oh, no, 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 let's put it in the hands of a, of a 42-year-old quarterback um, to try and get the touchdown. And it was a weird one, wasn't it? Because you looked at the three different angles, two angles he clearly hadn't crossed the plane, and then one angle that they got from the side, the ball was well over the white line. So that was a that was a strange decision, I thought. Um, you know, but yeah, this this is a this is the Saints defense again. We're talking about defensive performances. That Saints defense was absolutely rock solid. Marshawn Lattimore, he is an absolute stud, um, and he can he will be able to man mark anybody. So it was. He's part of my prediction. It's you know I've got a, a Saints Ravens Super Bowl, and you know at the moment the Saints are doing what they need to do. Again, wasn't pretty, but they're doing what they need to do. And I think having Michael Thomas back in the fold, his first touchdown of the season. That's mm. just it's hard to compute that he hadn't scored a regular season touchdown after breaking the NFL receiving. By you know catches record the previous year he hadn't had a single touchdown going into the season so yeah incredible stuff so I I just look forward to the the Saints continuing to play that hard defense and for Drew Brees I think he said that he's hanging his cleats up isn't he he will go as far as the Saints go this year and then he's hanging it up and. Yes, he's got every single record known to mankind in terms of quarterbacks, but he's still underrated. He's still undervalued, and people still don't see that he is, um, you know, uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history because he hasn't got the rings. Um, so, can he go out and win his second ring and do a do a Jerome Bettis? Probably not. But it would it would be it would be nice to see it as a neutral. Um, you know, people don't hate the Saints. We know what what's happened as a as a city in New Orleans. We know what they've been through. We know what they're still going through. You know, it's one of those teams that you kind of root for as a neutral. So I'd I'd just look forward to the Saints continuing, and I'm glad that they've managed to get that bit of that. Um, talk about the Ravens having a monkey on their back. The Saints have underperformed in the playoffs in the past two three seasons so maybe it's their time yeah it was almost a dream game for them wasn't it like you said a bit of a tune-up game completely agree with everything that you just said about drew Brees. there he was one of the quarterbacks that when i really got into this game 12 years ago now um as a sort of admirer of another team i've always liked the saints always liked drew Brees. for me he, he's an absolute legend and rings or not he will absolutely rightfully take his place in nfl history um, absolute legend of the game. Funny though, feathers, you've talked a lot tonight about defence and winning games and all the rest of it. I've got a simple question. Why bother playing defence? Just let the quarterback throw for the most completions ever in a game of football, regular or postseason. Give up over 500 yards of offence. Quite frankly, fellas, who cares less? Final game of the weekend. I am, of course, talking about Cleveland-Pittsburgh. I've been waiting all day for this, fellas. Let's get some sights and sounds from the game. 
Steelers dead last in the league in rushing. And they start with a horrible snap all the way back to the two-yard line, and the Browns bounce it into the end zone where they wind up with a touchdown. Kareem Hunt is in the backfield. Third down and four. Field, the throw caught over the middle by Landry. Jarvis Landry inside the 10, and Jarvis Landry has a touchdown. That scores their last touchdown. Does he get another here? He's around the corner. He's inside the park. He's in the end zone again. Hunt for the touchdown. To the end zone, wide open. Hooper, touchdown. Fourth and goal. Empty again. Roethlisberger. Fires. It's going to be caught. Smith-Schuster. Touchdown. Second down and 10 here. Mayfield throws to Chubb. Makes the grab. Gets some blocking. Breaks tackles. And Chubb is going to go all the way to the end zone for a Browns touchdown. Intercepted at the 49-yard line. Taki Taki takes it into deep into Pittsburgh territory. Sooner or later, sooner or later, it took 18 years, but the Cleveland Browns, and it took even longer than that, since 1969 when they won a road playoff game. Pre-merger. We still had an AFL and an NFL. They lost eight straight since then. Good luck. Good luck. What a night. What a night indeed. Fellas, I've done well to actually clip that to two minutes of highlights because I had to pinch myself on several occasions to even have any recollection of the fact that this was real. You know when you have like your wildest dreams the night before a big event and you just picture everything going perfectly well? Even in my wildest dreams, to score the most points ever in the first quarter of a playoff game in NFL history, on the road, in a stadium that the Browns have only ever won once before, and essentially for the game to be over by the end of the first quarter, because as Kieran rightly says, you can have your 500 point the shards, because that game was over at the end of the first quarter, and yes, there is nothing that pleases me more than seeing Big Ben absolutely shit the bed in the playoffs. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Kieran, I know you were up, mate, obviously in the States. We were texting backwards and forwards. Every message was just wide open mouth emojis. It was laughter. It was just it was just incredible, wasn't it, mate? I have not had that much fun watching a football game since about midway into the third quarter during Super Bowl 51. That was, like I said to you last night, Sean, I've always had a soft spot for the Cleveland Browns. I've always liked them as a team. And I know as a city, you've been disrespected and you've had a lot of problems inside that organization. But my God, I know, I know they say don't play angry, but my God, you guys played out of your goddamn minds last night. You played angry. You said, hey, Big Ben. Oh, I'm not going to say that. F you. We're sick of it. Hinesfield isn't your field anymore. It now belongs to the Cleveland 
Browns. It belongs to Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Sione Taki Taki, Miles Garrett, every single Cleveland Brown who put on that uniform last night. You showed out and you did that city proud. You made history in more ways than one. And if there's anything I love more than the Cleveland Browns winning, it's seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers lose. And lose in a... They're embarrassed. No more Corvette Corvette from Poo Poo Smith Poopster. No more... Oh, I'm the next Mapletron from Chase Claypool. No more Big Ben's an elite quarterback from anyone in the league who speaks any type of sense that was... The best game of football I have ever watched. So I'm going to ask you one last. This is, by the way, I think my girlfriend may have physically lost her attraction to me last night because I stood in the (laughs) middle of the living room for half of that game just going, oh, 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 oh. I had so much fun. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you one last time. Dog check. Lawrence, oh, you'd love to see come it. On. Come on, Lawrence. You've got to have been impressed. A confession here, because, because I was um, because I was up watching Washington on Saturday night. My old rickety bones could not sustain a second kind of night game, so I fell asleep on the sofa just before kickoff, and I woke up. And it was 28 nothing to the Browns. And it was the first quarter. And I was like, am I hallucinating? Is there something, you know, have I kind of like slept funny and woke up and I'm watching some weird highlight from a, from a parallel universe. And then the, the Steelers got that touchdown. Cause I even, I was that disorientated. I thought they were just about to go 35, nothing up, but wow. I mean, you look at the the kind of the raw stats from from Cleveland. They're not exactly beautiful in terms of that offensive performance. But the 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 thing that stood out for me amongst that entire cavalcade of of points and turnovers and just absolute madness, neither team got a single sack. <laughs> I don't even know even if you clock that, Sean, after kind of that, you know, incredible life-changing win for that team. Neither team got a sack. And I just found that a, a really strange anomaly amongst all these, you know, gaudy statistics. And yes, Ben Roethlisberger, you've got the single ugliest 500-yard performance in NFL history. Um, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't think it mattered who caught touchdowns. The fact Chase Claypool got a couple of late touchdowns. Didn't matter. Didn't really matter at all. When you go 28-0 up on the road in the playoffs that you haven't been there for a long, long time, just absolute credit. And that that defence and the, 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 the way that the Browns played opportunistic football um, was just key to this whole game. And I've just got to give them an absolute tonne of credit. And missing... That um, missing one of your best offensive linemen doing that, losing another offensive lineman and, and having somebody else step up. And I, I think 
the 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 most incredible thing was I think watching it um, on replay this morning when Baker Mayfield's interviewed at the end of the game and he said I had to shake hands and introduce myself to this backup offensive lineman who ended up playing. I had to go over and introduce myself to him in the locker room before the game. That's fairy tale stuff. That's absolute fairy tale stuff. I've I've always like like Kieran. I'm I'm one of these people that's always had a soft spot for the Browns. I I was there when the Browns were an incredible defensive team. And was it not for that pesky John Elway, they could have won a Super Bowl. They had the tools to win one, possibly two Super Bowls in the mid-80s. They now have the tools to do something very, very special this season. They have the absolute tools. And I think if if it comes down to it and we end up with a Browns-Ravens AFC Championship, I don't think I'm going to sleep the 72 hours beforehand. It's going to be – that would be the single most insane football game and – I don't care what you say, Sean. I would be incredibly nervous. Any team that has Miles Garrett and and when you've wound Miles Garrett up fully and let him loose like a mad spinning top with razor blades on the outside, you know anything is possible. And and yeah, I just just love you know we haven't talked about names, but Mister Tacky Tacky getting that pick, you know just just a lot of love, a lot of love for Tacky Tacky. So yeah, I mean, just not not special performances. Nick Chubb again didn't look like a superstar, but he did what he needed to do. He, he you know he got the important yards, and I think where Nick Chubb stepped up was on the receiving game. Four catches, sixty nine yards, that touchdown, and he caught all four of the balls that were thrown at him. You know, aside from that, nothing particularly special. But what was special was. Baker Mayfield's stat line of three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And that is what is going to make a difference in a game. Big Ben, four touchdowns and four interceptions. Now, who was the only other quarterback? I'll I'll just chuck it in there now. Who's the only other quarterback to throw for 500 yards in the playoffs? Brady in a Super Bowl loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. In a loss, yeah. You don't you don't reach 500 yards unless you're chasing a game, so yeah, completely wasted. Congratulations to all Browns fans, all all three of you in the UK. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> hey hey, less of that. Hey, Matthew shout Matthew shout out to uh, all of the UK Browns fans. We talked about this last night. There's a massive WhatsApp group between a number of us. There's obviously all the social media stuff. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy. This year, I know a few of the lads and lassies are following along now um, after I wrote them into it last night. So, welcome along, guys. Um, absolute pleasure all season long, I think. Let's just put this into context as well, fellas. The Cleveland Browns did this last night with a massively disrupted week of preparation where they only managed to get one practice. With a head coach locked in his own basement with no way of communicating with the team, which is just the most ridiculous decision I think uh, the NFL have ever reached. I mean, why on earth the guy couldn't have contact with the team? God only knows. Um, but they did it without the head coach. They did it without Joel Batonio. They did it without Denzel Ward. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. The odds were completely stacked against them. 
and it was it really was just an absolutely incredible incredible performance um yeah i mean you said there was nothing special lawrence it was just a special special night for cleveland it, it, it was as simple as that i don't think you could single out any individual port augustine with a diving interception as a big you know, big defensive lineman just laying out and Port Augustine with a pick. MJ Stewart, you know, these are guys that, that you've never heard of. Michael Dunn was the left guard. Michael Dunn's last professional football game was for the Seattle Dragons. Where was he, fellas? Throw up that X again, absolutely, in the XFL. And as you say, Blake Hans, Baker Mayfield has met Blake Hans. Do you know somebody who hasn't met Blake Hans, the left guard for the Cleveland Browns? Kevin Stefanski has never, ever met Blake Hans. You honestly, fellas, could not write this. If you were writing a movie, you would just honestly, somebody would laugh at you imagining that this was the script that you were putting forward. It was just an absolutely phenomenal performance. I've never, ever been more happy, I've got to say. Um, I, I called it weeks ago. I'm so disappointed that Week 17 didn't come down to a divisional shootout because we would have absolutely, as we proved last night, wiped the floor with the, the, the biggest 11-0 frauds in a lifetime, this day when I thought it couldn't get any better, apparently Marquise Pouncey's retiring, apparently Big Ben Roethlisberger's retiring, and you know what, Kieran, Baker Mayfield has well and truly planted that flag, and Lawrence, I think it's safe to say, for the next few years, we've got Baker, we've got Lamar, we've got Joey Burrow in Cincinnati, who's shown plenty of promise, and hopefully the Bengals can improve. Um, we said this, the New Orleans Saints are a franchise that most people have got a bit of an affection to, I think most people, you know, Steelers are one of those franchises. You either love them or you hate them. They're not very Marmite, are they? So uh, I'm sure plenty of neutrals were on the brooms. That sets up then, fellas, a divisional weekend that looks a little bit like this. So in the NFC, we've got the Rams at the Packers. Um, we've got the Bucks at the Saints. And in the AFC... We've got the Ravens going across to the Bills and the Browns and the Chiefs. Absolutely phenomenal when you look at this from a quarterback perspective. You've got Rodgers, Breeze and Brady. So, you know, 42 years of age, 43 years of age. Aaron Rodgers is, what, 36 now, is he? 36, 37. He's certainly getting up there in age. And Jared Goff's not really a quarterback, so we'll exclude him from the conversation. But, of course, in the AFC side of it, you've got Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. It, it couldn't be more polar opposites, really, here, fellas. It's a, a real mouth-watering weekend ahead. Um, we've talked about it. Plenty of time. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. Tim's still watching, ladies and gents. Blake Bortles, he could well be active this weekend. He could well be active. That would be interesting if Blake Bortles gets in the game. But um, fascinating weekend, like I say. We're obviously going to preview it all on Thursday in depth. We'll give you fancy and betting, and we'll get Tim on, um, and we'll go through it all on Thursday. But just instant sort of thoughts, fellas, ahead of the weekend and just get some very quick picks from you. So, Kieran, let's start with you, mate. Um, well, I've got to go with the Packers, first of all, because Aaron Rodgers has been playing out of his damn mind. Um, so, Packers, Bucks, Bills and Browns. Interesting. Lawrence? <laughs> This is going to sound fun. Um, Rams, Saints, 
Ravens and the Browns. I just want uh, it to happen. I want it to happen. I want, I, want it to, I want it to happen, fellas. But come on, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, but they—it's one of these things. You, you look, you know, they—they they haven't done anything for a couple of weeks. They've, yeah, okay, they've rested up, but you just—you just never know. I, I, there's this thing about opportunistic teams, and okay, if you were to put my head on the block and I'd say which who's going to get the who is going to get the upset of the divisional round I'll put it on the Rams I'll put it on the Rams yeah I think that Rams game is going to be closer than a lot of people will think just looking at the seeding and the standings and all the rest of it I think that Rams defense will play tough as it has done I think uh, Jalen Ramsey will will shut down or do his best to shut down Devontae Adams it will be interesting if Somebody like a Valdez Scantling or an Alan Lazard can really step up because you think someone's going to need to make plays on the opposite side. Book Saints is a really enthralling game. You know, the Books are probably the hot hand, but the Saints have absolutely dominated them in the two games that they have played this year. And obviously in the Superdome, Ravens Bills, I think, has got the potential to be the game of the weekend. Um, you know, two really, really good sides. The Ravens, absolutely red hot. And the Bills, I think, will play a lot looser with that monkey off the back of getting that playoff game won. Um, and I think that will be a really, really intriguing matchup. And do you know what? All joking aside, Ross has talked about this, you know, over the the chat over the last few weeks when we've been interacting with each other. The one thing I will say, fellas, is we've seen this year already Chiefs against the Ravens. We've seen Chiefs against the Bills. Both those teams had a go and ultimately fell short. Why not the Cleveland Browns? Why not the Cleveland Browns? Indeed, the Browns' offense can hang with anybody. Yeah, the defence is going to give up an absolute shed load of points. Travis Kelsey might go for 500 yards at the tight end position, let alone Mahomes at the quarterback position. But uh, if this Browns offence can get clicking, good news today as well. Every single Browns COVID test has come back negative. So as things stand, it could even be a full-strength Cleveland Browns team as well. Kieran, you wanted to make a final point before we close? Yeah, I just want to... This is a point I think a lot of people uh, are ignoring. But two of the biggest weapons for the Cleveland Browns are Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. What do Kansas City suck at? Stopping the run. And I'm putting it forth right now. Mahomes heats ketchup on his steak. Baker Mayfield eats peppercorn sauce. We know who is winning this game. We do indeed, mate. We do indeed. The baseball cap on backwards for you, Mr. Colin Coward. What an absolute jackass that guy is. I can't get it on over my headphones, but Baker, we all love you as Browns fans. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's get ready for another cracking weekend of divisional football. We'll, of course, have all of your takeaways up in written format over the course of the next 24 hours or so. The boys have been beavering away on the keyboards today uh, and we'll continue to do so into tomorrow to get you some written reaction. I've alluded to it a few times. We'll be back on Thursday myself, Tim, Dave and Adam to get you all angles covered just from a general view on the game, some betting and some DraftKings stuff. Don't follow my advice and pick Derek Henry. Good Lord, what an absolute disaster that was this weekend. But never mind, DFS, another day, another dollar and all that jazz. And then, of course, myself, Lawrence and Kieran will be back next Monday evening. Uh, we might go three-man huddle again. We might go four-man huddle. We'll decide. We will see. We'll see. See what kind of a mood we're in, fellas. We'll see what kind of a mood we're in. And, and, uh, and it promises to be a great weekend. Sean, because 
you know, I obviously have a, a great Midlands love for you. I just wanted to do a, a little quick stats life that involves the Browns. So can you indulge me? Go on, my friend, as you've done it specially for me. Thank you. Right. So we we know that Ben Roethlisberger sets an NFL postseason record with 68 passing attempts. The top five performances um, have had one person win and the other four have lost. So the one team that won in the top five pass attempts in postseason history was the Cleveland Browns. Can you name me the quarterback who ended up winning a game for the Browns in the playoffs against the Jets and he had 64 pass attempts? It's been 18 years since we've even played a game, mate. If you expect me to remember who won the last one. I mean, that's, that's poor knowledge, I'll give you that. But uh, come on, put me out of my misery. It was Bernie Bernie. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Co-star. Bernie Co-star in a 23-20 win against the Jets. 1987. 64 pass attempts. Yeah. Yeah. I do need to brush I do need to brush up on my Browns history, but uh, this team is making enough of their own. As you finish with the stat, Lawrence, and you've hyped up the Browns, I'll do it for one last time, and I'll give you one final stat. There is only one quarterback left in this year's playoff field that has a 100% winning record in the NFL playoffs. That player, ladies and gents, number six, Baker Mayfield. One game, one win. Let's go, Browns. We'll be back Thursday in the great words of Mr. Kevin Cadle. It is bye-bye for now. Uh, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.